You are listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast, a podcast where a couple friends sit and talk around the fire after everyone else has gone to bed. Grab a drink and join us as we discuss everything from famous explorers, artificial intelligence, and what is the meaning of life. Heroes come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes big giants, other times scrappy little guys. Heroes are not determined by their body size, but rather the size of their heart. And one five foot five paratrooper sure did have a lot of heart. But before I tell you this tale of this underdog, Nick, how are you and what are you drinking? I am doing great and I am drinking a dead guy ale. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Drinking some Buffalo Trace seems to be my go-to. And Nick, we're going back to World War II for this episode, which seems to be a period of unbelievable heroes, deeds, and this is the story of Leonard A. Funk, sometimes referred to in the history books as the Laughing Paratrooper. You excited, Nick? I am curious. Funk's beginning in life was difficult to research and separate truth from fiction. Some says he volunteered to the army, other sources says he was drafted. The year he was first part of the military is mixed up, and sources on his childhood and parents, not impossible to find. So please take the very beginning of the story with some skepticism. Leonard Funk, born and grew up in and around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, more specifically, Bradrock Township, Pennsylvania. Funk was not a large man, even for his time. Not sure if food was scarce that had a factor in it, or if it was just genetics. But Funk would stand tall at five foot five and weigh 140 pounds soaking wet. He would grow up during the Prohibition and the Great Depression era and reach manhood when America would fully enter the Second World War. Funk, I, I want to point this out, it's hard to find information. I couldn't figure out the exact age when he was enlisted. The U.S. Department of Defense website has Funk joining the military at age 21 in 1941, but they also have him born in 1916, which means he would have joined during 1937, not 1941. So it's glad to know that my country's Department of Defense can't do simple math. But back to the story. Funk on his gravestone was born August 27th, 1916. So that's what I'm going with. And majority of the sources say that he would enlist in June 1941, months before Japan would attack Pearl Harbor. He would join the Army and attend airborne school at Camp Blanding, Florida. After finishing airborne school, he would be assigned to Company C, 508th Parachute Infantry of the 2nd Airborne Division. Then, war broke out, and America was fully involved with the war consuming the world. Funk and the rest of the 508 would be sent to England, but it would be years before Funk would actually see any comeback. Any combat. In fact, Funk's first combat experience wouldn't come until June 1944. More specifically, his first combat experience would be June 6, 1944, D-Day. On that day, the 508 would parachute behind enemy lines and fight to help their fellow soldiers on the beach. Funk would find himself around 20 to 40 miles behind enemy lines. And for those who don't know, drops for the parachutes were at night, and the planes would have a better chance against anti-aircraft at night, so that's why they did it. But this means it's kind of hard to have everyone land in the designated area, especially when you're getting shot at. So many of the paratroopers got spread all across the landing zones, or just missing their landing zones incompletely. Funk and some others he would find along the way would fight for days 
deep in enemy-occupied France, trying to get back to the regiments. It wouldn't be until 10 days later that he would end up rejoining the regiment. During those 10 days, Bunk would lead the man that he found all the way back, and under his leadership, he would not lose a single man, all on a sprayed ankle that he received from the very beginning of jumping, and it has been reported that he was the lead scout to protect his men. He didn't want anyone else risking their lives besides himself. Now rejoined, resupplied, Funk wanted back into the fight. And back into the fight he went. He would be continuously distinguishing himself and doing deeds of heroics during the Normandy campaign, receiving a bronze star, silver star, and his first purple heart. Keyword first. During Operation Market Garden, Funk would be airdropped again and be airdropped into Holland. During the early stages of him in Holland, Funk would lead a three-man patrol and come across German 20mm anti-aircraft guns. They were firing upon Allied aircraft, supposedly mainly gliders. Funk and his small patrol would engage the enemy crew, reporting killing 20 Germans, wounding many more, and completely removing the anti-aircraft guns. That's 20-plus on Germans going against four guys. That's, uh, that's a tall order. Oh, I, that, that is pretty impressive. And I do have to point out talking about holland that we are not fans of the dutch here <laughs> all right austin powers calm down funk moving across europe with the rest of the allied forces would find himself at the battle of the bulge did he just like jump into every famous battle <laughs> it yeah pretty much it was hit the boots running and don't stop from just d-day to holland to uh, battle of the Bulge, every significant battle. I mean, he was a lot of a uh, lot, lot of combat experience to say the least. And on January 29th, 1945, in cold Europe, resources low, men spread out. Funk would be made command of a makeshift platoon made up of clerks. Funk and these clerks were charged with assaulting, clearing, and controlling 15 known German-occupied houses in Holzem, Belgium. Marching through waist-deep snow, Funk and his platoon would work their way to the houses during a snowstorm. House by house, this makeshift platoon cleared every room and captured 30 German prisoners along the way. Hearing or knowing more Germans were on their way, Funk tasked four men to watch the prisoners while he and the rest go to seek reinforcements for the upcoming firefight. While the four men watched the prisoners, some hundred German soldiers being led by SS officers would come across both the prisoners and the men guarding the prisoners. The Germans would free the prisoners and rearm them, so that hundred just got bigger. And Funk would return, coming across seeing his men, or thinking they were his men, only to realize that they were Nazi soldiers. Funk would be met by an SS officer screaming at him, caught off guard, and the Nazi gun poking at his belly, yelling him to surrender. What Funk did next, well, for lack of better terms, is balls of steel. Funk, being a sergeant, was given a Thompson machine gun, and Funk would slowly begin to remove his Thompson from his shoulder, acting if he was surrendering. surrendering. And he began to laugh while doing it. Not sure if this was out of fear, a ploy, or a simple natural response, but Funk began to laugh nonetheless as a German SS officer kept poking him with his gun. This, this laughter simply made the SS officer even more angry and yelling even more, which in turn made Funk laugh even harder and louder. And while laughing and removing his gun from his shoulder, he would turn the gun on the officer, empty a full clip into that SS son of a bitch, 
The rest of the Germans hearing the gunfire would take cover, and at this point, Funk reloaded, firing at the Germans and ordering the rest of his men who were captured prison or nearby to find whatever weapon they could and fire back at the Germans. During this close quarter exchange of gunfire, the Germans would suffer 21 casualties and 24 wounded, and they captured the rest. Funk would make a few remarks later in his life about this event, saying, in lack of better words, he would not surrender as long as he would be able to stay in the fight. He's also reported on that moment of saying, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. (laughs) Well, at least he realizes it. Well, more fight was on its way. Allied forces were going back on the offensive, so they would retask Funk and make his makeshift platoon go into combat even more. During the rest of the war, many times Funk would be seeing his commanding officers go down and take over as acting commander. Losing lieutenants along the way, Funk would get a nickname from his fellow soldiers as Napoleon, short in stature, his ability in battle, and a leader. But no one dared make fun of his height. During this time, Funk would go on and receive two more Purple Hearts. And by the end of the Second World War, First Sergeant Leonard Funk would receive a Medal of Honor, the Distinguished Service Cross, a Bronze Star, Silver Star, and three Purple Hearts. He would stay in the military after the war, working as a clerk and would work for the Veterans Administration until he fully retired in 1972. Two decades, two decades later, on November 20th, 1992, Funk would pass due to cancer back in his hometown in, in Pennsylvania. At his funeral in November, a hundred people came to honor this man. A man who spoke at Funk's funeral would speak about the character of Leonard Funk, saying, What is important is the final goodbye to a man who loved soldiers, privates, NCOs, and yes, even officers. He loved people and treated every soldier from the private on up as if they were a four-star general, end quote. Funk is now buried in Arlington's National Cemetery and is not forgotten. Funk had two daughters and by his death, two granddaughters, and the Department of Transportation even named a part of the highway after, highway after him. It goes to show you it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. This five-foot five 140 pound man would jump into the perils of war fight and save dozens of lives and help liberate the world from the nazi rule all while treating apparently from the privates to the officers with the utmost respect and risking his life before the men before the lives of others too many in history books are forgotten but luckily i came across this man who got the nickname laughing man because well, laughing at a German SS officer who's poking their gun to your chest and then taking your gun off to shoot him. We'll kind of earn that. And also Napoleon. Don't know if his time in France had anything to do with that, but seems like the joke's too easy to be spent there. But now, Nick, you know of Sergeant Funk, a man who, boy, Nick, they don't make him like they used to anymore. That's a pretty, pretty wild story, man. That's uh, The balls on that man are inverse to the size of him i guess (laughs) i don't know where you're gonna go with that one but i was gonna let you suffer and say whatever you're gonna say oh totally nailed it well it's not impossible to talk about all the heroes during the world wars but i'm glad i got to tell one who would be so distinguished and would be one of the most decorated decorated army officers of He'd be one of the most decorated airborne ever for the Army, which is uh, 
That's a tall task to do, considering how long the Airborne and, Air and the Army have been around. And with that being said, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram, 